Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Well, let's find together, if you would please, the book of Numbers, chapter 14. The book of Numbers, chapter 14. There isn't any, matter of fact, I'll just share this little testimony with you. Not too long ago, we were visiting with some other ministers and sharing together, fellowshipping together. And one brother just had mentioned, saying that, well, we had an absolutely tremendous Sunday night service. I said, praise God, to myself, thinking, thank God. And then he proceeded to say, well, our Sunday morning wasn't as good or as great. He said, but Sunday night was just absolutely tremendous. Praise God. God moved by His Spirit. We had a wonderful time in the Lord. Miracles took place. The healing power of God was manifest and all these things. A wonderful Sunday night service. Well, you know how Sunday morning is. wasn't as good. See, if you don't watch yourself, you can get into a rut. You can get into a rut. Well, Sunday morning just seems like that's just out of tradition. That's just out of responsibility and obligation. People come together, don't want to really flow with God. Maybe it's because it's the morning time or whatever the case is. I don't know. Everybody's just falling out of bed, falling into church, falling into a pew, getting going back to bed. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I thought you did. But I thought, well, there's no reason why you can't have a move of God on Sunday morning. The Bible says to wake to righteousness. He meant it literally, awake to righteousness. Praise God. Wake up. Amen. God's moving. Praise God by His Spirit. Don't want to fall asleep. Be aroused. Be awakened. He moves at all times. Can you say amen? So I thought about that. Well, there's no reason why God can't move just as powerfully and effectively on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night or Wednesday night. It's the hard attitudes of everyone involved. And so we began right here, right here, right here at home. Praise God. I'm not going to be one to say, well, we had a great Sunday night service and a great Wednesday night service, but you know what Sunday morning's like. Well, I'll tell everybody, we had a great Sunday morning service. Praise God. God moved by the power of His might. God moved and demonstrated Himself in signs and wonders and miracles of the Holy Ghost. Because, you see, He's the same God Sunday morning as He is Sunday night. Or Wednesday night or any other time that we meet together. Amen. Can you say amen to that? You believe God with me. Hallelujah. So look out for some good Sunday morning Pentecostal services. We're having a great move of God in this place, and we're moving on with Him. And that's the title of our message, Moving On With God. We are moving on with God. So let's give a quick review before we continue our message. We're going to be looking at number four, Numbers 14 to continue. So just find uh, Numbers chapter 14, and we'll look at verse 24. But first of all, let us review. We said that the Christian life is like a journey of experiences in God that begins with the act of regeneration and continues throughout the full length or the full course of an individual's life. As far as God is concerned, we are all to move on with Him from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from experience to experience, from one level of spirituality to another as we all 
notice the word all, continue to strive for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the true Christian goal. Did you know that? The true Christian goal is the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. His goal was to know Him intimately in His personal relationship with Him, to grow in that personal, person, personal intimacy and fellowship with Him, to learn about the power of His resurrection, to be made partakers or a fellow, to fellowship with His suffering, to be conformable to His death, to conform to the image of His death. That was his goal. That was his desire. To rise up in spirit, soul, and body to such a place that he could be so consumed with God, so saturated in God, so full of God, that he would move on until finally that day comes that he's taken out of this realm of life into that realm of life and obtains the best resurrection he can possibly obtain in God. We went on to say that if we fail to move on with God from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from change to change, then certain things can happen and they should serve as warning signals in all of our lives. Number one, people could begin to lust after evil things. Number two, they can be involved in idolatry, setting themselves up to be higher than God themselves. In other words, pursuing their own individual pursuits and high aspirations, pleasing themselves in life, in other words. But Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. We saw that they entered into fornication. That means sexual immorality. We saw that they tempted God, put God to the test. See how far they can go. See how far they can walk away from God until He does something about their condition, until judgment falls upon their lives. Murmuring, complaining. God's not going to feed us today, is He? God's not going to supply money today, is He? I've tried praying and I didn't get an answer to my prayer. Murmuring, complaining. In the wilderness, we want food. In the wilderness, we want water, something to drink. Murmuring and complaining. God was not well pleased with that. You find out when you stop moving on with God, we regress back into these old habits of complaining and murmuring and griping about life. God never said that life would be a bed of roses. But what He did say is, I'm coming to give you abundant life and equipment to overcome in every area of life. So don't murmur and don't complain, he's saying. Because if you do, you'll be overtaken by the destroyer. Then we see that rebellion was a part of it. The hardness of heart was a part of it. Their hearts were hardened. They entered into deception. They were easily deceived. They failed to enter into the fullness of God's blessing for their lives. And we also saw that premature death was a part of it. Because they failed to move on with God. We said that no matter where we are at in God, where you're at, where I'm at, there are still higher heights to be obtained. There are still deeper depths to be obtained. And if we will do the key thing, which is set ourselves apart, sanctify ourselves unto the Lord, then we would not become stagnant. We would not become complacent. We would continue to grow and be changed from glory unto glory by the Spirit of God until finally that day does arrive that we're caught up out of this place, this realm of life. And our testimony is this. Enter in to the presence of your Lord, thou good and faithful servant, for great is your reward. So, beloved, what he's saying is this. It's time to move on. The glory cloud's moving. 
Israelites were led by the fire and by the cloud. Well, the cloud is moving. It's time to move on with God. No matter where you're at, it's time to move on with God. If you're born again, get Spirit-filled. Born again, Spirit-filled. Speak with other tongues. Operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Tap into the resources of God, the power of God. His healing power. His delivering power. Start laying hands on the sick that they may recover. Reach out there to a lost and needy world. Time to move on with God. Get involved in some type of activity that's going to promote your spiritual growth and development. If you're not establishing a good, solid prayer life, it's time to rise up and say, you know what? I'm going to fall. I'm going to allow these things that hold me in bondage to fall away from me, all the shackles of bondage to fall away from me. I'm going to rise up to a place that I establish myself in a good, productive prayer life. Study habits. It can mean a lot of things. We're at all different levels of growth and development. And so it can mean different things in different lives. It could be that we're going to take the step that is necessary to solidify our marital relationship. It could be that we're going to bring the family together in unity, harmony, and love. We're going to stop bucking the work of God, and we're going to join up with those who are involved in, in, in the work of God upon the earth. We're going to join a, a local church or align ourselves with the local body of believers. We're going to catch that vision that they have, and we're going to promote the work of God and the will of God in the earth. It might be you have a call upon your life to enter into a full-time ministry. It might be that God would have you to do something specific in ministry. Then you've got to answer that call. It's time to answer that call. It's time to step out and move on in God and with God and answer the call that God has upon your life. I've had many say, you know, I, I just sense a call of God upon my life, but I just don't know what to do with it. It's time to move on. You just can't say, I've got it, and don't do anything with it. Move on with God. Step out in faith. Whatever the case is, as pertaining to your own individual life, it's time to get up and move on with God. And the key to it is this, sanctification. Personal sanctification. Setting yourself apart. Beloved, it cannot happen any other way. I have to set myself apart unto God. When the time came that I was to be thrust out into the work of the ministry, before it could happen, there was a time that I had to set myself apart unto God. And for me, and that's for me, not for you or anybody else, unless God speaks to your heart, I had to leave all to go to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma and study at Rainbow Bible Training Center. And believe me, it was not peaches and cream. It was taking myself out of a setting that I was well adapted to and used to, putting myself into an environment that I had... No knowledge of. I didn't know what's going to happen. It was not easy. But it meant set yourself apart. I'm going to separate the men from the boys. This is the place where God begins to deal with you as an individual. This was a place in our lives where it seemed like all the forces and the powers of darkness were, were released against us. It seemed like we were going to sink and not swim. We were going to go under and not remain on top. It seemed like every force of opposition that was available to the kingdom of darkness was at our front door by day and by night. I want you to know it was the most difficult thing we ever had to do in our lives. But it was the most rewarding thing we ever had to do in our lives because you know why? It promoted our spiritual growth and development. It was like taking you out of a setting of luxury, taking you out of a setting of Egypt, placing you into the wilderness, and here I am. I'm God, and you're my child. Now do what I have you to do. But Lord, how are we going to eat? I'll give you manna. How are we going to drink? I'll bring water out of the rock. I'm not used to living this way, Lord. It doesn't matter. I want you to know that I'm God. I want you to know that I will take care of you. I will provide for you. Believe in me. I want to be your strength, your source of supply. I want to be the one who is your all in all. I am your Lord. I am your shepherd. What do you need? I've got it. Just come to me for it. And that's what it was like. You know what? It may sound strange, but it was a joyful thing not to have a scent on you. And say, Father God, I need food. 
and watch Him supernaturally supply it. I'm telling you, it's the greatest life. It is the greatest life. I mean that. It is a supernatural life. It was glorious to see angels actively involved in our lives. And I mean literally actively involved in our lives. You know, when things are going well, when you've got a good job and you've got all the things around you that you need in life, all the luxuries of life, it's like you don't really have to believe God for a whole lot along those lines. I feel sorry for people that don't have to believe God for things like that. Because it is a joyful time in God. It is a growth experience in growth. It is a beautiful thing to encounter. Just to give yourself totally over to the Father God and say, Here I am, Father. Go ahead and take care of my need. And watch Him move. And watch Him manifest Himself. It's a beautiful thing. You know, the psalmist said, I'm young. I was young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen His children begging for bread. And you know, that's true. That's an absolute truth. Jesus said, Take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, drink, or put on, what you're going to wear. Seek the kingdom of God as righteousness and the things of this life will be added to you. See, that's the promise. Especially to those that forsake all for the sake of the gospel. Did you know that? Amen. It's a glorious thing to step out and move on. I don't know why we digress there, but I'm sure some needed it. Sanctification. Setting yourself apart unto God. What will happen in Joshua 3, 5? We said there will be wonders that God will do among you tomorrow. Wonders. Joshua 3, 5. He said, sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders. It doesn't just mean sometimes one day. Set yourself apart to wait upon the Lord because, look, God's going to do wonders in your life. We also saw that by personal sanctification, setting yourself apart in Joshua 7, 13, the accursed thing is removed. Sometimes we don't know what's blocking the power of God, what is short-circuiting the power of God from being effective in our lives. And... Very often we have to wait upon the Lord to find out. I have made this a general rule in my life. If the power of God is being short-circuited, if I'm not receiving miracles and answers to prayer, something is wrong, but not on God's end. Something is wrong on my part. And so you separate yourself unto the Lord. Sanctify yourself to get rid of that accursed thing. Whatever it is that would prevent you from being successful in God. And notice this. It goes on to say that will cause you not to be effective against your enemies. We want to be effective against our enemies, don't we? Effective in overcoming the works of darkness, don't we? Well, here he says, separate yourself and get rid of that accursed thing. And I think we should all be that way. Father, may the spirit of holiness be manifested in my life to such a degree it will burn up the chaff. Whatever it is that stops this festival from being pure and holy, that ever prevents your power from flowing mightily. I want it burned out of my life. Amen. Separate yourself, and the Bible says you'll be able to stand against the enemy. Also in Leviticus 20 and verse 7, it says we'll be able to keep his statutes more effectively. And in 1 Samuel 16, 5, it says we'll be able to have direction and guidance for our lives, which we all need. So let's continue here in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. Moving on with God. And let's follow the example of two men who were successful in entering into the fullness of God's inheritance for their lives. These men were examples. They are successful. And I believe if we'll follow their example, then we all can be encouraged and also we'll have the direction that we need to step out and move on with God so that we can achieve a higher level of spirituality, a higher measure of faith.
to be changed from glory to glory. In Numbers 14, 24, we have the official reason why Caleb and his family achieved God's best for their lives. But my servant Caleb, because, underline that word because or circle it, highlight it, because these are the reasons why. Because he had another spirit with him. God just told them that they would not enter into the promised land. They went so far, but now they will not go any further. They will experience difficulties, turmoil, and hardship in the wilderness. They will not experience the best of God's provisions. They went so far in God, but now that's it. They cannot go any further. We do not want that to be our testimony. We want to go all the way with God as an individual, in our marriage, as a family unit, as a church body. We want to go all the way with God. It is my desire that that same Spirit that is upon me, that is in me, will also come upon all of us here so that we can all catch the same vision. The vision that this church has is we want every one of us to enter into the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. We don't want one left out there in the wilderness. We don't want one individual to die prematurely. We don't want one individual to experience all the difficulties that are out there. We want everyone to enter in. We want to provide a place where people can come here and learn about who they are in Christ, who Christ is in them, what they have, their covenant rights and privileges, rise up to a place of faith and power that they can take the land of their inheritance, their land of promise, and reign as a king in the realm of life by one Christ Jesus, every single one. Do you see that? We don't want one person left out. We want everyone to come in. And it's a joint effort. It's a, it's a it's a working together. Caleb had another spirit. And what was the spirit that he had? The spirit of faith. There is something about people that have the same like precious faith that Caleb had. Did you know that? When I first got saved, I didn't understand it. When I first got saved, I had a joy in my heart that was unspeakable and full of glory. Why was my joy always full? I learned the principles of faith. I learned how to walk by faith. And the Bible says, when you ask, you shall receive, that your joy may be full. And when your joy is full, you have the strength of the Lord operating in your life. And my wife and I would even go to church. And we started going to Pentecostal churches. My background was not of this, around, around, being around these circles. And I didn't understand about the Pentecostal movement. I didn't understand about a lot of things. But all I knew was I had the faith of God rising inside my heart. I had the pure, unadulterated Word of God that was taught to my spirit. And we would go from one place of victory to another place of victory, experience joy and victory time and time again. We started going to church, and I met the most despondent people I ever saw on the face of the earth. I saw the most discouraged people I ever saw upon the face of the earth. They would get done with worshiping and praising God. And then the moment it was all over, it was like a cloud, a dark cloud just descended and fell upon all the people. They walk out of the church service and I've got this problem and I've got that problem. You don't know how hard it is and you know how difficult it is. And I just don't know what I'm going to do. It doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to make it. I'll tell you what. Oh, I'll tell you the preacher, he's just something else. Isn't he something else? I'll just, I just tell you what. He's just something else. I just can't stand him. Just cannot tolerate him. He is just absolutely something else, you know. Did you hear what he said? Trying to get me to do something for God. I just don't know what he wants me to do. Here, I just... Beloved, I heard the most, oh, defeated, negative, pessimistic attitude that came out of people. I couldn't believe it. And you know what? You sit there long enough, that spirit will come on you. I mean, I'd go in there, I'd sit down on fire. Just the joy of the Lord is my strength, the faith of God in my heart. We delivered, we, we experienced the delivering power of God, the healing power of God. People were set, I mean, in our own individual lives, set free. 
My wife is delivered and healed and set free. My daughter was delivered and healed and set free. And I thank God for it. I experienced the healing power of God, delivering power of God, spoke with other tongues and all that. I was just having a high time in God. Do you see that? I'd sit down there, and by the time, I mean, we begin and just full of joy. By the time the service was over, it was like, been deflated, dispirited. And I thought, there's something wrong with me. And everybody would say, you're in for a fall. You're in for a fall. No one could be like you are. You must have just got saved. We could tell you. There's a glow about you. You just got saved. Give it five years, you'll be dead. (laughs) And I thought, is this what Christianity is all about? Is this what Christianity is all about? See, I don't give you the whole story all the time. I went up in my mill crane, worked in the Youngstown Sheet Tube Company, went in the mill crane, out a dark old place and dirt and dust, got on my knees before God. Because, you see, I began to recognize what was happening in the body of Christ. I said, why is it, Lord, that I go there? I'm full of joy, full of faith and power. I walk out, I'm like a little whip winkling. Whipped. Browbeat by condemnation and guilt and all that sort of stuff. I thought I went there to get uplifted, not to get deflated. You know what? I began to put two and two together. Talk with the Lord. You always put two and two together and come up with four. And I got on my knees and I said, I see it, Lord. There's a difference between those that believe in faith in your word. There's a difference. There's a marked difference between the two. You can prove that out right here in these scriptures we're talking about. Caleb had another spirit within him. The spirit of faith. He believed God. There's something about believing God that will get him to go over the multitudes of people to find you and lift you up. Did you know that? There's something about faith, believing God, that will get him to move over the multitudes of people just to heal your body, just to meet your need, just to answer your prayer. And I knew that. And I saw that people didn't have the the proper concept of it, the understanding of it, the proper perception of it. So I got on my knees in that dirty old place and I lifted my hands to heaven, recognizing the fault, recognizing the difficulty, not putting people down. I'm not doing that. I said, oh, Father God, there's such a need to get this message of faith out across to the people. They need to hear it with their ears, perceive it in their hearts and minds. They need to understand it because you do not want a, a defeated people. You made us more than conquerors. And I said, if you'll give me the wisdom that I need, I dedicate, I consecrate myself and my life to you to go forth and preach and teach the message of faith to your people. I made that dedication. I made that consecration really just out of the Spirit, just not even recognizing or realizing what I was doing. But you know what? He took me up on it. Obviously, he saw the same need. I went back into that place. I began to share the faith message with people. They even invited me to teach a class. Lives were being changed. Beloved, the difference was a different spirit. A different spirit. People get caught up in that complacent spirit, that lethargic spirit, just being their spirit, just obligation spirit, just, just ritualistic spirit, just traditional spirit, and they miss out on the move of the living God. They miss out on faith and power in God. And you know what? I began to share truth. Just began to share the Word. One lady was instantly delivered. Her hands from arthritis couldn't play the piano because I shared Mark eleven twenty three with her. Her life has, has changed, was changed, and has been changed ever since. And others began to respond to that. Stopped, many st- stopped. Uh, I mean, many you couldn't get, to, to, you couldn't reach him, but stop talking about their pastor like that, and start supporting him with faith words, words of faith and words of power and words of love. There was something different about Caleb. There was something different about those people after they heard the message of faith. And the difference was they began to speak the word of God from their heart and from their mouth. It changed their lives. It changed things around them because words are containers of power and of life. 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You want to kill a work of God? Speak against it. You want to kill the move of God? Speak against it. But if you want to promote the work of God, start speaking for God. Speak the same things that God speaks. Catch the vision and speak out positively in the word of faith and power and you'll see the power of God, creative ability released on your behalf. It'll change people. It'll change things. It'll change lives. And that's what Caleb had. Spirit of faith about him. But number two, look at the next part. And, and had followed me fully. He moved on with God from place to place, from change to change, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He fully followed me. Mark that down in your book. That's a revelation. He fully followed me. He fully followed me. He fully followed me. How do I fully follow him? Jesus said, deny yourself. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Begin at regeneration and then follow me every step of the way. Follow me into water baptism. Follow me into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power and speaking with other tongues. Follow me in the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Follow me in my healing power, my delivering power. The power is in my name and the Lord's Supper. Follow me with everything I would ask you to do in your life. Follow me if it means take that step out in faith to move on with God into the ministry, whoever the case may be. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me every day of your life. Follow me by looking into the Word of God, walking in my love. Follow the program that I have ordained and set forth in your life in the Word. Follow me in your married life. Follow me in your fam family life. Follow me where you work. Follow me in your activities that you encounter in life. Follow me. Be sold out to God. Follow me fully. And that's exactly what Caleb did. And when he got to the promised land, he said, I'm not stopping short. I'm going in. He couldn't get the others to follow him. I commend him. You know why? All those other leaders made the heart hearts of the people melt within them. And they spoke out against Joshua and Caleb. But you know what? Caleb still said, it's not going to affect me. You don't want to go in? I'm going in. Anybody want to follow me? Come on. But I'm going in. I'm going in. And what a testimony. But before we get to, the, to finish that testimony, look at over here in, in Joshua chapter 1. Very often in faith teaching, and I've been guilty of it, when we teach from this chapter, we point out one particular verse and say we're to meditate the Word of God by day and night if we're going to be successful and have prosperity in our lives. But you know what? In actuality, God gave Joshua seven commands. Seven commands, not just one. Seven commands. And I'm saying this, beloved, because for those of us who want to move on with God, Caleb is an example of one who, who made it all the way in. And Joshua was the one who was really given the outline to take, to follow, if you're going to move on with God. Moses just died. Joshua took his place in leadership. He was to lead the people into the promised land. And here, God gives him direction. God gives him revelation. God reveals to him certain steps to follow if he's going to be successful in moving on with God and in God all the way in to experience the fullness of God's blessings. So no matter where you're at in your Christian experience, follow this outline. Make note of it, write it down, put it in your heart, put it in your mind, follow the outline, and you'll be successful in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter how successful we are in the eyes of the world. It matters how successful we are in the sight of the living God. If we please Him and do His will in this life, we'll be successful. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong. Underline strong. And of good courage. Number two, good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide inheritance, the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong, he repeats, and very courageous. 
Thou thou mayest observe to do, underline to do according to the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand to the left, underline that, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse 8, you can underline the whole thing. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein by day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Make note of it, it's a command. Be strong of a good courage. The third time he repeats it. Be not afraid is another one underline that. Neither be thou dismayed. The last one, don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You're moving on with God. You're moving on in God. He is with us. He won't forsake us. He's there every step of the way. Don't forget it, is what he's saying. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'll get you all the way in if you'll follow me fully. But do these things, okay? Let's address them. Number one, be strong. Number one, be strong is what he said. By definition, it means to be firm. It means to be solid. It means to be well fortified. Make sure you get that one down. Well fortified. Don't be weak in your decision to go on with God. Don't be indecisive in your decision to go, to go on with God. Be strong. Be firm. Be solid. Be well fortified. Be ardent. Be eager. Be zealous. Be earnestly engaged. On the other side, it means don't be easily overthrown. Are you about to make this step to go on with God? Are you about to make that step to get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues, but you know what? Something's been holding you back. Well, you know what? Be strong. Be strong in your decision. Are you about to step out and follow God's plan for your life in marriage? Be strong to follow the plan of God, the way of God. Be firm in your character. Be stable. Be well fortified. Be prepared. Be equipped. And see, that's how we were. I went there knowing that God had called, that God had spoken, that God had said to go. And He was the strength of my life. And we all knew that. Don't be easily defeated. Opposition will come, He's saying, but don't be easily overthrown. How do I do that? Mark it down. Number one, the first way to be strong is stop saying you're weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear? I can do all things to Christ who strengtheneth me. The first step you're going to make is your confession of faith. Go back and listen how many times you said, I just can't make it. I'm weak. I don't have the ability. I don't have the stamina. I don't have what it takes. I'm not going to be able to make that decision to quit this. It might be that you're walking free from a bad habit in your life. And you might think, well, I don't have the strength that I need. Yes, you do. The Lord is the strength of your life. He is your sufficiency. He is your ability. I don't know if I can do what it takes to make it into the ministry. He is the strength of your life. You're not going in your own strength or ability. You're going in His. So start saying it. I am strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. If God said, be strong, I can be strong, and I am strong in Him. So number one, make your positive confession of faith in the Word of the living God, knowing that He is the strength of your life. Let's say it together. I am strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. He is the strength of my life, my ability, and my sufficiency. And I can do all things 
through Jesus Christ, who is my strength. Amen. Secondly, learn to operate in the joy of the Lord. Learn to operate in the joy of the Lord. In James 1, verse 2, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing the trying of your faith work at patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Learn to operate in the joy of the Lord. God has placed joy within our heart as a fruit of the Spirit that becomes the strength of our lives. If the enemy can steal our joy, he's going to have us in bondage. He's going to deflate our spirit life. He's going to sap our strength. We'll not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But, beloved, when we recognize that forces of opposition come against us for this very purpose, for this very reason, and learn how to operate in the joy of the Lord, it becomes the strength of our lives. Nehemiah 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our one. By definition of the Hebrew word, it means this. Make note of it. The joy of the Lord is your fortified place. Did you get that? Be well fortified. The joy of the Lord is your fortified place. The joy of the Lord is your fortified place. Be well fortified. That's how we're going to be strong in the Lord. Learning how to count it all joy. Jesus said when we live in a world, we'll face tribulation because we're living in a turbulent world. Living in a world, we're going to face opposition, adversity, circumstances, deal with pressures of life. Living in a world, we're going to encounter difficulties, hard places. But the Bible says we are to endure hardness as a good soldier. How do you do that? By using your faith to activate joy. By using your faith to activate joy. That's why James said, when you encounter hard places, pressures of life, stress, difficulties... When you're facing adversity, circumstances that would overcome, count it all joy. Command it to be joy. Give a command. Joy rise up within my heart. The Bible says if you want joy, you're going to have to shout for it. Learn to operate in the joy of the Lord. It will become your strength. It will become your power. It will become what you need on the inside to fortify your spirit so your spirit man can produce what is necessary to put you over. That's what he's saying here. The enemy will come to, to bring sorrow through circumstances from without. Happiness is not joy. When our circumstances change and people become saddened by the circumstances, then it seems like it reaches the heart with sorrow. That's exactly what the enemy would have happen in our lives. That's exactly what happened to the people at this church I was talking about. They got to a place that they lost their joy. They lost the joy of their salvation. The joy of the Lord was no longer their strength. It could have been that they weren't tapping into it. It was there available for them all the time, but they were giving, them, giving place to the devil. Giving place to sorrow. Giving place to woe. Giving place to murmuring and complaining. Not recognizing that by faith they can operate in joy. How do I do it? By saying it once again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is the strength of my life. I am a fortified city. I am a fortified place. The Lord is my high tower. He is the strength of my life. And as you begin to confess the Word of God, something on the inside rises up. It's a joy that the world didn't give. It's a joy the world cannot take away. It becomes the strength of the Lord in our lives. Something happens from within.
And it becomes the force, you see, that puts us over in our lives. In John 16, 24, Jesus, speaking of joy, said, Ask in my name that you may receive, that your joy may be what? That your joy may be what? And here's a reason why people do not have, fail to have their joy full or be full of joy. You have not because you ask not. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive and your joy will be full. And you know what? That's when my joy is full. When I ask the Father for a need, when I ask the Father to meet that need, when I ask the Father for this or for that, and these things are manifest in my life, you know, is there something on the inside that rises up big within you because you know you have fellowship with Him. You know that He hears your prayer. He hears your voice. He knows your name. He's responding to you, to your words. And it's just a joyful thing to have that intimacy with Him. When you first got saved, it was a joy unspeakable and full of glory because you recognized from within that you had eternal life. You recognized that you had intimacy with God Himself. You had reality with God Himself. And it was a joyful thing. And to be quite frank about it, it wasn't until the enemy came along and began to undermine the work of the Lord that joy seemed to be pushed under. No, five years later, I was not a defeated Christian. And five years after that, I was not a defeated Christian. And beloved, I'm not going to be a defeated Christian. Because there is no room for defeat in Christ. He is the victorious one and we are in Him. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. It will put us over. Number two, be of good courage. Make note of it in your heart. Courage is a spiritual force that produces within our lives the quality of mind that enables us to encounter dangers or difficulties with firmness. That's what courage is. With firmness or without fear or depression. Courage is a spiritual force. It comes from within the spirit of a man that produces the quality of mind that enables us to encounter dangers or difficulties with firmness. Firmness. Or without fear or without depression. Circumstances will come against us to get us depressed, to deflate us in spirit. And when we allow that to take place, it means we are giving place to fear. We are giving place to sorrow. We are giving place to anxiety. We are giving place to stress. We become depressed, deflated in spirit. That's what depression is. These other things overcome us. They subdue us and hold us in bondage. And when the spirit of a man is deflated, when there's, a, when there's a breach in the spirit, it's like all the winds out of your sails. It's like you don't even want to stand up to face the enemy. You don't want to fight anymore. You don't want to do battle any longer. I've heard so many Christians say, you know, it's time for me. I just want to go home. I just want to go be with the Lord. Chicken. But you said you just want to run away from all. Leave us all, right? Is that what you want to do? Walk out on everybody? Not even thinking about their families. Sure, it'd be great if we all just, just take, take off. Just go. Sure, that'd be better for all of us. But what did Paul say? It's more needful that I stay here for you. Let's not run away from the devil. Let's be on the attack. Let's rise up and be of good courage. Let's be firm in spirit, immovable. He's not going to penetrate our spirit lives. Let's rise up in the courage of God. Encourage yourself if you need to be encouraged. But rise up. You're going to fight this fight all the way into the end. 
Just because the enemy dealt us a blow doesn't mean that we're a defeated people. Let's give an example of that. Three Hebrew children. You talk about anyone having a reason to be deflated, to lose courage. They're about to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. It looks like everyone is against them. It looks like they're just at the hands of the enemy. Victims about to be destroyed and wiped off the face of the earth. Burned in a fiery furnace. But you know what? They were of good courage. Let's, let's take that as an example. They rose up. You know how they answered the king? Firm. They were firm in their response. You know what? The God that we serve is well able. The God that we serve will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. The God that we serve is going to cause us to be fireproof, old king. And he did. Why were they so firm? Why were they so encouraged in God? They should have been depressed because the enemy dealt them a blow. They knew their God. They were strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. They were encouraged. They encouraged themselves in God. You know, He's brought us this far. And you know what? He's going to take us right on through that burning, fiery furnace. It doesn't matter what the test is, what the trial is. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. The God that we serve is well able to put us over. The same Spirit was upon them, was the same Spirit that was upon Caleb and Joshua. And so God told Joshua, be of good courage. Don't let anything discourage you. Don't let anything deflate you in spirit. Rise up to a place where you're encouraged in spirit and be firm in knowing who I am in your life. Be confident in me. That's what he told them to do. And together we'll make that next step. Next, he said, do the law. In the Old Testament, that was very simple. It was the Mosaic law. In the New Testament, again, it's simple. For the love law is the fulfilling of the Mosaic law. So keep this in mind. While we take out that next giant step in God, that we are not to abandon the love law. We're still to walk in love. We are still to let the love of God dominate us in spirit and regulate our lives. The next one is, don't turn to the left and neither turn to the right. Now, make note of this. What this means is to avoid the extremes. Number one, the extreme of wildfire and excess. Yes, take that next step. But remember, there's a ditch of extremism on that side also. And every time we step out further into things of God, it seems like the enemy sees to it that we fall into a ditch of extremism. That's getting out ahead of God. That's moving on without God. And we don't want to move on without God. We don't want to go further than God wants us to go. Secondly, the second part of that is avoid the ditch of complacency, lethargy, and ritualism. Avoid that ditch. Don't move to the left and don't move to the right. After you make your move with God, still be open to Him to know that you've got to walk down the straight and narrow. This is not the end. It's only the next step. Don't become complacent because you made the one step, because you made the one move. Joshua, I'm telling you to walk down the straight and narrow. Don't become extreme. Don't get into excess and wildfire and don't get into complacency and lethargy. Don't become a ritualist. See to it that you follow me down the straight now. And that's what he told him. Next he says, keep the word in your heart and mouth. Now that's the verse that we always use. If we want to be prosperous and successful, he says, meditate the word by day and meditate the word by night that you may be a doer of the word. And to meditate means to mutter. It means to think on. It means to reflect. 
It means to revolve in the mind. It means to dwell on a thought. Get a hold of the love law. Get a hold of the Word of God. And Joshua, keep meditating it. Keep pouring over it. Keep dwelling on it. Allow it to keep rising up in your mind by day and by night. Keep dwelling on the thoughts of my Word. You cannot allow that to leave you. You can't stop saying, I know the Word. I know what it says. He says, continue in the Word. Keep it in your mouth. Mutter it. Speak it out. Pour over it. Dwell on it. Allow it to revolve in your mind. Turn it around in your mind and you're thinking a lot because it has power in it. There's ability in it. It's going to keep you full of faith. It's going to keep you full of power. And so he tells him, see to it that you do so. And then you'll make your way successful. So success in God is not automatic, my brother and sister. It involves all these different things. Now notice here, the next one he says is, do not be afraid. Joshua, do not be afraid. Don't allow fear to intimidate you. Don't allow fear to prevent you from making that next step. Don't allow fear to keep you from moving on with me. Because if you allow fear, it will rise up like a giant, like it did to those in the wilderness. And through fear, you'll stop short of my goal for your life. That's what stopped them. That's what will stop you. Do not allow fear to control your life. You have control over fear. By definition, fear is a painful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of evil. Excited by an expectation of evil. Think about it. There's a phone call. It's a bad phone call. You're in the house. You're by yourself. An expectation of evil. Arises up within you, you're afraid. Think about it. You're there before the, before the promised land. All you've got to do is go in and possess the land, take the land. But there are giants there. You fear for your lives. That passion in you is excited. By what? The expectation of evil. Look at the difference between the pessimist, the one who is always negative, and the optimist. The one who, although he may see problems and difficulties, always finds a way to overcome. See, Joshua and Caleb were that way. Don't be fearful. Don't always think that the evil is going to happen unto you. Don't expect it to happen unto you. Beloved, here's the difference. Faith people believe that good things happen. Faith has a good report. Faith is excited about the good things that God is doing. And although we face difficulties, although we encounter these tests and trials, although these giants stand up before us, praise God, we see the outcome already. We see beyond the circumstance. We see beyond the giants. We see beyond, beyond all the, the roadblocks the devil could put in front of us. And we say, I see the promised land and we're well able to take it because the Lord God is on our side. They're bread for us. We'll grow in this process. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what Joshua did. That's exactly what Caleb did. And so the Lord speaks to him and says, look, don't let fear keep you out of the promised land as it did then. So faith expects good things to happen. And finally, don't be dismayed. Don't be dismayed. Make note of this. To be dismayed means a fall or a loss of courage. A fall or a loss of courage. It means, please note this, a sinking of the spirit. A sinking of the spirit. To dishearten, to dispirit, it means depression, 
It means dejection. It means a yielding to fear. A yielding to fear that produces discouragement and loss of spiritual initiative. And like I said, it's like someone coming along and taking the wind out of your sails. Someone deflating your spirit. It's like there you are bouncing a basketball and all of a sudden it has no air in it and it goes down, hits the ground and boom. It does not come back up. You never felt that way on the inside, did you? You never experienced that inside your spirit, did you? Do you see how the enemy works? If he can get us to yield to fear, these forces of adversity, if he can get us to yield to these things, then he can deflate our spiritual initiative. He can dishearten us. He can cause dejection to come to our lives, depression to come to our lives. And when that happens, it removes our spiritual strength from us. And we're only operating in our intellectual, emotional power. We start saying, yeah, but the Lord said this, and yeah, but the Lord said that. But in reality, there's no spiritual force behind what we're saying. Something happens to you that pulls the rug out from beneath you, and it's like you don't want to go on any longer. There's a report of evil given to you, such as you have a terminal case of this or a case of that, or your young one has this problem or that problem. And all of a sudden, it's like someone just pulled the, pulled the rug out from beneath you and just deflated you in spirit. Listen, beloved. Please listen. No prize fighter ever got into a boxing ring, went to the middle, started a fight, had his opponent hit him one time in the belly, stop right there, turn around, walk back to his corner, sit down, get pulled the stool out, and sit down there. Referee walks over, what's going on? Trainers look at what's going on. He's sitting there with his chin in his hand. His elbow on his knee, dejected, upset. He's the champion, but there he is, dejected, upset, in turmoil, deflated, discouraged. What's the problem? And he sits there and looks at his trainer and says, he hit me. You're kidding. I should have never signed for that in a contract. I should have known better. He actually hit you. He dealt me a blow. Well, I'll just sit in the corner. Beloved, no one ever said the devil would never deal a blow. Did you ever read 1 Timothy 6.12 that says, Fight the good fight a faith you don't fight with your fist although some think that they do you don't fight with a literal sword or a gun how do you fight the good fight of faith see it's a spiritual force released from the heart released from the mouth and when the enemy deals a blow to you to your life if it comes against your finances, if it comes against your body, if it comes against your family, if it comes against your church, whatever it comes against, it's time for us not to be dejected and sit in a corner somewhere and say we're not going to go on. It's time for us 
to get inflated in our spirit man with the power of the living God. To drink in and breathe in of the life of the Spirit. To rise up and recognize that greater is He that is in us and He that is in the world. He says, Joshua, when the devil comes, when the enemy comes to deal blow by blow by blow after you with an evil report, with a report of doubt and uncertainty and all these other things, he says, Joshua, just rise up and do not be dismayed. Don't yield to the fear. Do not become dejected. Don't lose your spiritual initiative because in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the the world and by your faith you overcome the world rise up in spirit be strong in the Lord the power is my the joy of the Lord is your strength and you deal your own blow if he says you'll die you say I'll not die but live and declare the works of God and the glory of the living God if he says you're not going to make it you say I can do all things to Christ who is the strength of my life when he says it looks like your family's going to fall apart you say the angels of the Lord are sent forth and they'll bear my children up their hands lest they dash their foot against a stone. And the Lord my God is my refuge and my fortress and a mighty God on my behalf. Do not become deflated in spirit is what he's saying. Joshua, don't let it happen. I want to show you this in Joshua chapter 14. You'll love this. This is our closing scripture. Praise God Almighty. Don't allow anyone or anything to deflate you in spirit. And make your heart melt. This is exactly what Caleb said caused his brethren, his friends, his colleagues, his associates to fail to enter in the promised land. In Joshua chapter 14, speaking of Caleb, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. I brought him word again as it was in my encouraged heart. I brought back word as it was in my heart that was full of faith and power. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me, and you know what? You don't hear about their names a whole lot. We forget about their names, but we remember Joshua and Caleb. They're remembered because of the exploits that they did. My brethren that went up with me, they made the heart of the people melt. That's dismay. When the heart melts from within, when the heart is deflated to dispirit a person. We're talking about a breach in the spirit, a sword that goes through and deflates the spirit. And their words and their evil report caused the heart of the people to melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. I wholly follow the Lord. I had another spirit. God said He had another spirit. One of faith. One of encouragement. One of steadfastness. One that was firm. One that was well fortified in God. Strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And He says, I did not allow them to deflate my spirit. I was of a good courage. And I'm 85 years old. Let's go on down. And now behold, in verse 10, the Lord has kept me alive, as He said, these forty and five years. This man is eighty-five years old, even since the Lord spake this word to Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years old, as yet I am as strong. Thank God He's still saying it after forty-five years later. I'm strong in the Lord, the power of His mind. This day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, my strength was then, so my strength is now for war, for battle, to go in, to come out. So Give me my mountain. Speak to the mountain. Give me my mountain, he said. Well, I get to name. Well, that guy's just something, isn't he? <laughs> Glory to God. Dude, that man, after 
Oh, we know Caleb. Five years he'll be dead. Five years he'll fall. Oh, that would have been 50. Five years. That's 55. You should give him five more years. 55, 60. Surely the guy's going to be 65 pretty soon. 70. He's still walking around. 75. 80. His 85th birthday is coming up. This man's going to fall. And here he comes. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. See, they're waiting for him to fall. Don't be one that waits for others to fall. Join the team. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Join the team. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say with me, I'm strong in the Lord. In the power of His might. I will not fear. I will not be dismayed. I will not be discouraged. I will not be dispirited. I will not be depressed. I will not be dejected. I will not lose spiritual initiative. I will not lose courage. For I am strong in the Lord. In the power of His might. I am well able to take the land of my inheritance. For greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I serve you, Lord, with joyfulness and gladness of heart. I'm encouraged in Jesus' name. I'm the overcomer through Him that loves me. I am more than the conqueror. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll give Him glory for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.